This podcast is intended for mature audiences and could be triggering to some. Please use discretion when listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Hearts with Jewels, a podcast where survivors can share their story. I'd like to introduce you to our guest today. Her name is Ro. Ro is a survivor of narcissistic abuse. Um, we've actually been social media friends for quite some time. I do know a little bit about your story, depending on mm. your post, but I'd really like to know more. And I'm sure the listeners do as well. So thank you so much, Ro, for meeting with yeah. me today. <laughs> Could you tell us more about yourself? Thank you for that grand introduction. <laughs> so my name is Ro. I started TikTok. Um, well, backtrack. I was I was in an abusive relationship for 14 years. I left him in November 2019. And in that relationship, um, I didn't know. I had no idea that it was abusive. I just knew I needed to leave. And um, even with a diagnosis. So I was very fortunate. I actually had our couples therapist, our psychologist, give him a diagnosis of, of NPD after about eight months of therapy. I just never really thought about it. We separated. I started dating again and I had um, pretty bad post-separation abuse. And just for fun, like as a way of healing, I got TikTok. Somebody had got me into it and I just started watching videos and just having fun with it and making, like I do singing videos and attempt to dance, attempt to do the trends and just, you know, it's just for fun. And then I came across some of this narcissistic abuse stuff. And I'm like, what is all this? Mm-hmm. And it's almost as if like it unlocked a memory for me of some of the stuff like that I went through, some of the abuse and just behaviors that I experienced from my ex-husband. And so I just got really engulfed with this narc talk and started just really loving it. And I, I ended up making a video about myself and just something really simple. It was a Starbucks coffee. It was about not being able to get a cup of coffee at Starbucks and drinking it in front of him when I picked up my kids. It was my first, yeah, my first TikTok video about my ex because I never made a video about him. Mm-hmm. I made a video and I won't say it's about him. I would say it's about my ex. It was about the, my experience. It was about, right. about me not being able to be comfortable to get a coffee. And I said, you know, what is this called? Like, I can't even get a coffee. I used to go shopping when I was with him and I would hide all my clothes and put it in the back of the closet, take all the tags off. You know, if I had sushi, I would, um, you know, eat it really quickly in the car. Or if he wasn't home, I would eat it quickly and make sure that every trace of the takeout stuff was gone. Like, what is that called? Because even two years after not being with them, I'm still scared to get a Starbucks coffee. Like that, that was my TikTok and it blew up. So I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, I'll keep sharing. And um, I just decided to focus solely on narcissistic abuse in my experience and, you know, did some training on coaching and helping other people. So I have this other page, Roller Coaster of Love, and that is dedicated to this dedicated to it turned from like talking about my ex to talking about narcissistic abuse as a whole right I I love it you're (laughs) amazing at it I I see so much of your videos (laughs) you inspired me too I mean I I like getting into this like when I say I got into narc talk I mean I was watching your videos I was like hearts with jewels who is this you know I saw stronger than before I saw Lee Hammock and I'm like oh this is a self-aware narcissist this is interesting you know I saw Cynthia and like she made me laugh and I I feel like um the humor part of it 
uh, is really healing to be able to laugh at yourself and laugh at some of this stuff. So like that whole narc talk thing was, was a lot of it was you too. Like, you know, a lot of that inspiration came from like complete strangers, which now I talk to <laughs> I'm just like I'm so grateful uh-huh. to be in this community. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So that's me. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really want to know, like, how did you meet your ex? Like what, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the differences between like in the beginning and when the mask fell off? Yes. 2004. There wasn't TikTok. There wasn't, I mean, was there? I mean, I don't know. There's I don't music, know. <laughs> I, I don't think there was. Like, I think there was Musical.ly or I don't even know if that was that. But the, No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was Musical.ly actually. Musical.ly was TikTok, right? So, yes. so 2004, there was plenty of fish. Maybe that was the only online one that I remember as a dating app. Mm-hmm. And for social media, I don't even know if there was Facebook. Like, I think Facebook was still for universities at that point. And so how did we meet people in 2004? Like, even before that, how did we meet people oh at, at work? We met them at work. A lot of people meet people at work through friends. And my ex and I met at work. We worked together in a sales role, and we were both very competitive and, um, he was top sales and I was top sales. And we ended up, we ended up doing this door-to-door sales job in the summer and imagine, so let me see, 16 people in total, right. all in your twenties, all on a summer break, working 12 days in a tiny little town in Canada and, um, living out of like hotels and suitcases. Everyone is single. We'll work four hours a day in the daytime, knocking on doors, selling satellite TV. And then in the night, we're going to the local pub. We're hanging out in each other's hotel rooms. And then we have like six days off at home. Mm -hmm. And just imagine that lifestyle. Like we're drinking, everyone's having fun. Like everyone is single and we're having like the best time, like trying these like, you know, it's like, you know, new, new restaurants and like going to all these new towns and meeting all these new people. And everyone's like, our hormones are all flying off the hook. So <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we we're all single and that, that's how we met. We met in this like really kind of crazy, intense environment. And um, there was a lot of romance going on within a, within a lot of people. Like if you, if you can imagine 16 people with raging hormones, like we, we, we all met and we're all like on a high from like lots of sales and making all this money. And then like funny stories, meeting people in these tiny towns. And he was, um, he was a punk at first. Like I remember thinking, who is this little punk? Like he's four years younger than me. And I remember thinking, I, I don't want anything to do with this kid. Like he's the kid. Mm-hmm. It was weird because I don't even, when I think back, I don't even think I was actually physically attracted to him, but there was something about his charisma that drew me. And also the push and pull in the beginning where he was like, he was kind of like, who, like, you know, you don't deserve me. And then he was kind of like, you're the best thing ever. Like he was like a little bit of back and forth, cat and mouse. And I, I felt like at times I was chasing him and he was chasing me. And it was like, it was kind of fun and exciting when you're in your twenties yeah you're young you're flirting you're flirting you're having fun and then there was jealousy like I I do remember in the very beginning he was like he was making out with me and then like the next day he was making out with some other sales girl and I was jealous you know it was it was it was so weird then when we came back home after the summer was over after that job ended he was like I want I want like I want something serious with you like I don't want this to end now that the summer's ended with this job and so we got into like a really hot and heavy relationship 
And it was probably about three months in, he invited me to a wedding um, in his hometown across the country. And I went on a trip with him and I went to this wedding and I three, it was three months. And he was saying, you know, maybe for our wedding, my sister could be your maid of honor. But like, I, I thought that was so romantic, but I look back and I'm like, Oh, creepy. Like, what do you mean? My, your sister, like what we're getting married all of a sudden. It was so weird. It was, it was like a whirlwind. I look back now and I would never go for a relationship like that now. Um, but then I thought it was amazing. I thought that was like, no one's ever treated me like that before. I felt so special. I felt like, wow, this, this person thinks that, he, you know, the future faking. So like, if anyone doesn't know future faking, it's like creating this image of how you're going to end up with right. this person, like creating this like fantasy life and, I was thinking about our wedding and I was thinking about his sister being my maid of honor. I'm thinking about like kids and all of this stuff. And what's really interesting about that is all of that did happen. Like she was a bridesmaid, not my maid of honor, but we did get married. We did have the kids. We did have all of that. Right. But it was different. It wasn't like as promised. It wasn't as um, laid out and like, you know, presented to me. It was, it was a jail cell is how I describe it. When did the mask fall off? I would say the second we got married. Wow. Mm -hmm. When I look back at some of the clues, there were clues in the relationship. There were clues in the engagement area. There was clues in, in even just living together, but I didn't see the clues. But the mask fully slipped once when we got married. It was the night we got married. He had gone out the night before and spent a bunch of money on drugs, alcohol, um, went to the casino with his boys and spent all of this money gambling and just having fun for his like last night hurrah. Mm -hmm. Then on the wedding day, he was complaining about how much we spent on chairs, like chair decorations. Well, you just spent $15,000 last night at the casino. I don't understand why you're harping on me for like $3,000 wedding decorations. Exactly. Yeah. Like they were our wedding decoration. He was pissed at me for not getting a deal at this wedding supplier. And that was the day of our wedding. Like I I just remember thinking, wow, this either this guy's super, like he's financially selfish. I already, I already knew that he was, there were jokes on Valentine's day where he would send me a card or give me a card and write, ha ha ha, you owe me seven fourteen for this card. Like in the card, he'd write that. And it was like, it was, (laughs) yeah, it was a joke. Obviously he would try to pawn it off as a joke, but deep down, deep rooted, he had a, a lot of serious issues with money. And that eventually turned into financial abuse, mm-hmm. you know, the not getting the Starbucks, the not wanting to take care of myself, get myself some sushi to buy some shirts that were on sale. Like I would have yeah. to justify every purchase that I made, even though it was with my money. Like we never, he never supported me other than he paid for a bigger portion of our house. He never really like fully supported me. I still had a full-time job. So that was where the mask slipped for sure. I was kind of like, you know, I didn't think of it as narcissism. I thought of it as he's selfish. This yeah. is he's he cares more about the money because he was stressed about his own spending the night before with the casino and and all that sort of stuff that he had to blame me for for choosing our our wedding decorations and how much it costs when he really didn't even help with any of the the planning of the wedding in the first place. So like right. 
that's kind of where I noticed. And then it just declined. And it was like kid after kid after kid, like three kids later, it just got worse and worse and worse. Like it never gets, these never get better. These relationships, they never get better. They only get worse. We think they're going to get better. And that's why you stay longer. They, they, they make mm -hmm. you stay longer because, you know, they give you that little bit of hope. Tiniest bit. (laughs) Right. They do. I know. And I always tell clients, you know, and I always tell people that, that, that are turning to me for any kind of advice and to look at me for, for any support is that hope let's like make hope stand for hold on pain ends instead of hoping for the best, hoping it'll get better, hoping this hold on pain ends that this will end because it's going to end. And this isn't hope. This isn't, this isn't hope for better. We're hoping right. the pain's going to end. Right. And we just have to hold on till we're ready to see it. And I, it took me a long time to see it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thanks. So what did you do and how did you set yourself free? Sometimes when I look back, I still try to decide what I mean, what I, what does freedom even mean? Right. Like, what does that even look like? Right. Um, but I would say it took me about three years in the marriage to get out, to set myself fully free. And I say free as in like, leave the, leave him and be on my own, like not be married to him, right? Not not have a supporting role in that relationship and now be my own leading actor, right? Like actress in the role of my life, because I felt like I was always behind him. Like I was always the supporting role in our life. It was his house. It was his stuff. That's how he described it even his mom and people would come over and be like, thank you for your hospitality to him. Not me. Nothing ever belonged to me. I didn't feel like my life even belonged to me. So freedom from him cutting those ties of just, just actually being in my own place, my own, like having, making my own decisions that that would be my freedom. But that took me three years. And, um, I remember threatening divorce a bunch of times in the marriage, whenever we would get into a heated argument about, you know, any of these things that really, when I look back, it was probably more just me trying to gain independence in my life, like trying to like be, have my voice heard. Exactly. And it would be shut down every time it would be like, no, you you like, this is a family. Like these decisions are our decisions. Like you need to talk to me first about that and this and, um, double standards always with the double standards. Like the rules never apply to them, even when they make them up. Oh my God. They're not. Right? <laughs> and they change what? it whenever they want. Oh, they're changing it all the time. And you don't even know it. You're like, mm-hmm. when did the, when did the rules change? Right? And I, <laughs> I actually remember saying that to him. I remember being like, when did these rules, like, when did you change these rules? Like, I don't even know when I'm going to mess up with you. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm always messing up. I don't understand this. And he would gaslight me and be like, you have no idea how much power you have over this situation. Like you have so much power here. Do you not see that? Why are you so blind to that? Right. Like he would say stuff like that and it would mess with me because I'm like, that is so confusing. I don't know what any of that means. Like I don't get that. But I would say three times I tried to leave him. Three times I threatened divorce. And every single time it would be met with like some verbal violence. Like he would be like, you know, you're you know, he would say all of these awful things, yell at me and scream at me and, um, in front of our kids. And 
then he would go off on these binges and come back and blame me for them saying, well, if you didn't threaten divorce, I wouldn't have spent all this money at the casino. I wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have done that. Oh. And, um, you know, I would feel guilty. And so it would keep me in the guilt would keep me in. Cause I'm like, maybe I am messing this thing up. Maybe I need to stay for the family. Maybe I do need to work on these things. And, um, then he wouldn't go out and spend all this money. Like that is my fault maybe. So I stayed for quite a bit. And then, um, we ended up going to couples counseling. So this is the weirdest thing because he kept saying that I had mental health issues, that I was mentally ill. That's what he kept saying. You're mentally ill. You need help. Like no, you, He wanted like, me to believe that. He wanted me to believe that I was mentally ill because I was suffering a lot of anxiety in that relationship. And I was, you know, I was a postpartum for so many years. Like after, like, I, I feel like I was either pregnant, breastfeeding or new, newly postpartum for right. six whole years. <laughs> like, oh you know, God. I had, I had back to back to back babies. Yeah. That's, so, that's a lot. It is. Yeah. And my energy levels were so low and up and down. I was anxious. I'm diagnosed OCD. So I had a lot of triggers and a lot of like, um, OCD response from just having zero control over our relationship in my life that I had to control every little bit of things around me with perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And he would blame a lot of his alcohol, like all of his things on alcoholism, all of his abuse on alcoholism, because he is an admitted addict and he would go to AA a few times. And I would go to the other side of AA, which is Al-Anon for the families of addiction and the people who suffer from the people that they love who have addictions. Right. And I would go there and I learned that I was mirroring him and that I was mirroring his alcoholic behaviors and that the OCD came from a piece of controlling, like being controlled. So how it was described to me was that I couldn't control the environment. So I had to control what I could. Right. And that's how people get eating disorders and, you know, other disorders that lead to, um, something severe, but it's usually just a lack of control somewhere in your life. Right. And I always thought that that was the alcoholism, but that was the abuse. Like that was, there are two different things. And so we went to therapy because I thought I had a problem. Right. And so we went as a couple and in therapy, and I do not advise anyone to go to therapy with a narcissist because they could go either way. They could, they'll abuse you on the way there. They'll abuse you on the way back. They'll be like everything you say you're in trouble for. Mm -hmm. um, and also they could manipulate the therapist. 100%. They're they <laughs> really good at manipulating everyone. So, yep. and you could get abuse from the therapist too. And they could keep you in situations. I was really fortunate. My therapist, our therapist had said that this was really toxic and that the cycle was, was abusive. And what's funny is he agreed, but he agreed as a, we, we are in a toxic relationship. We are in a cycle of abuse. We, 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 he agreed that we were in it. He never took accountability and took ownership for his part. Yeah. It was we. So I never really felt like I was getting any validation from it, even though I was a little bit in therapy, but I wasn't. And then one day she asked if she could see him separately. And so she started seeing us separately and we, we both agreed to it and she started seeing us separately. And she told me in our solo sessions that I was in an abusive relationship. I needed to have a plan of action yeah. because it sounds to me, this is how she said, it sounds to me like you have been wanting to get out for years. And I said, yes, I have. She's like, so you need an exit strategy. She helped right. me. She helped me come up with one. And she's like, I will explain this to him. And I will say that this is what's best for your relationship. 
And then she did, she explained it to him in a solo session and he just kind of agreed. He was just like, okay. He didn't really say much about it. I think she, she like therapists are really good at manipulating situations, but the difference with them is they manipulate for their client. They don't manipulate for themselves. They manipulate for the client so that they were, he was, she was manipulating him to have him see the truth, have him see what's going to help us and the two of us. And then she diagnosed him. Oh, okay. And said, you have narcissistic personality disorder. How did he handle that? He fired her. What? Yeah. And I'm sure you've already told this to him, right? Did you ever tell him like, oh, you're a narcissist or you didn't? Oh, I never actually did. I sent him one Instagram post one time that had narcissistic traits. And it was, it was a post that somebody, I think it was Maria. um, I don't know if you follow her. She's like, uh, Maria, I don't know her last name now. It escapes me, but she, she, it was a really good post and it was, it was so current to what was going on in a relationship. It was a, it was a fight we had and it was exactly describing, um, our relationship. And I sent it to him like, wow, this is us. But the, the post was like, something like how to fight a narc or surviving a narc or something like that. Like I didn't even real, it wasn't even like blatantly saying narcissism. And he's like, Oh, now you're calling me a narcissist. And that's kind of where it started where I'm like, no, I just, this is, this, this describes us. Right. And so like, this is like, look at this, like, don't you see, this is exactly what happened last night. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, you think I'm a narcissist. You know, everybody, everybody says their ex is a narcissist. Did you know this? Did you know that? And he started sending me all of these, you know, tests and like, he was trying to get me to do this test. And he's like, I did the test. I don't have high narcissistic tendencies. Um, but he came home from that, that session. And he was like, well, she thinks I'm a narcissist. And I'm like, she thinks you're a narcissist. Well, yeah, she obviously doesn't know what she's talking about. She's a divorced woman. You know, she just got her, her license, um, like three years ago. What does she know about psychology? She's, she, what kind of a couple's counselor doesn't support working on the marriage? Like she doesn't know what she's talking about. Like she's fired. Just always blaming on something or someone. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know he died. He was diagnosed. I didn't know she actually said NPD to him. She okay. just, he just said, she thinks I'm a narcissist. That's what he, that's what he said to me. Yeah. So, so that I'm like, would you be like, I'm like, I kind of like, would you be okay if I continue to see her? And he's like, well, yeah, for sure. But you know, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She's a quack. That's how he described her. She's a quack. So I went and saw her and she told me that he died, that she diagnosed him. She said, I have enough notes and I have enough um, sessions with him solo to be able to diagnose him. And I've given him the options to continue treatment with me to help cope with this personality disorder because he has narcissistic personality disorder. Right. And I'm like, oh my God. And she's like, I can see where you're feeling. And the immediately what I felt was that I felt so much guilt. And I saw that it was coming from his mom because I know that she is malignant. Now I know she's malignant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt bad for him. And I felt like, oh my gosh, like he went through childhood trauma. I know this, like this is where it comes from. And she's like, don't feel bad for him. Okay. This is his, this is his work. He, he can choose to work on this. Right. He didn't. He obviously went, he defied her. He said that she was a quack. She didn't know what she's talking about and all of this sort of stuff. He was trying to get us to go to a new therapist. And I'm like, I don't think we need therapy. I think we need to, like, I think I need to move out. And there was really not much he could do. He did a lot of like financial abuse 
post-separation abuse, Mm -hmm. but I got straight into from her help. I got straight into working on litigation and getting a separation agreement in place and interviewing lawyers and planning my escape, um, saving up money. Um, my best friend started helping me, um, take stuff out of the house real quick and like store it in her house. She helped me find a place. Um, she actually passed away June 10th. Oh no. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. She, she, uh, she passed away from a drug overdose and what's, what's kind of like, um, like the, the sort of, sort of sad, not sad karma. I would say like just the, the circling of her relationship with me is I've known her since I was five years old Mm -hmm. and she has been my best friend throughout all of this. Um, she was in my wedding and, and everything else. And my ex had hit on her a bunch of times. She's very beautiful. She like shut him down. She was like, what are you doing? Like, stop that. Right. Um, and then she told me I was in an abusive relationship. This was like maybe two years into the marriage. She's like, you know, he's abusive, you know, and I see that you're not yourself. Like I've known you since you're five. Like I know you. Right. And I, sh- and I shut her down. I told her, no, you don't know what you're talking about. You've never been married. You don't know what it's like to be married. Like this is not what you're saying is not true. And when I told him, he was like, she's a drug addict. You can't, you can't trust her. Oh my God. And I kind of shunned her. Like I kind of like put her aside and was like, you don't know what you're talking about. And she was the first person to help me out of that relationship. Even after I shunned her and told mm-hmm. her she didn't know what she was talking about. She was the first person to help me. She actually called my relationship a roller coaster of love. And is that how you got your name? That's how I got my name. I set up roller coaster of love on November 22nd on her birthday. Um, on her birthday, I got this tattoo on my arm of a lily. Mm-hmm. which does represent freedom. And um, she has a lily on her arm as well. And I got that for her. She passed in June, June 10th, and her birthday is November 22nd. My birthday is August 22nd. We used to always call each other the 22 twins. And on the 22nd, I got that birth- that tattoo for her. And that evening I set up roller coaster of love and oh my made my, f- my first post. I didn't talk about her in the post and I still don't but it's it is a, an homage to her it's like it is dedicated to her because she helped me get off the roller coaster and she she was always with me to support me and she always is when I go live I always see like if I see 22 people I know it's her you know if it's 222 I know that's her like everything it's just it's it's so it, it's, it's beautiful. I like, I want to cry about it, but I'm also in like, there are also like happy tears thinking about how she's always had my back right. and how even in her passing, she still is helping me on this journey by being part of my page so deeply. Right. Um, she helped me out. That's how I set myself free. That's oh. how I found peace was even just seeing it and, and not even like, I still thank her to this day for, for helping me see it, even when I wasn't able to accept it back in 2015, when I, when she first told me this is abusive, you're in an abusive relationship. And I'm like, what? So I'm still grateful for her for even saying that because not a lot of your friends will even say that to you. And a lot of them won't like, they won't want to break you guys up. And then next thing you know, they are, they get blamed for it or something like that. Or you guys get into an argument for totally yeah yeah so that happens too but that's that's very special I'm pretty sure she's like very very proud of you I I like to think so for sure Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Are you crying? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was I like, mean, do we need a break? <laughs> do we need a little break? No, but I'm like, you know, I'm getting like emotional, like um, about it, it, just thinking about her. And I know that that's her, like, you, like yeah. through me, just like giving me that, like, hey, I got you, like, oh, little rock star, you know, like she's there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's happy. She's proud of you. She's, yeah. she's, she's looking down on you every day. I think so too. <laughs> So how has this experience impacted you and how's your life now with your healing journey? Oh gosh, it's, it's been so impactful. I feel like the healing journey is, and I say this all the time, it's not linear. If there's no destination, there's no end point. It's a direction we take. So it's ups and downs. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's going to be some days. It's not cool. Like yesterday I saw him, I had to see him and I'm I'm really deep in the healing journey and doing very well for myself. And I still saw him and, and was triggered. And, you know, I ended up ripping out my lashes in my sleep. I because... saw your post. Because <laughs> 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 it's like I had a trauma response. And I went to therapy yesterday and talked about this with my therapist. And she said to me that in that moment when he was there with his. So he showed up unannounced, put his foot in the door and was trying to assert his dominance in my house. And I had blocked him in December after a lot of back and forth, like verbal abuse through text, trying to control me with the kids. We have three kids together. So parallel parenting has never been fun. But as soon as I blocked him, went no contact and started talking to just his nanny and his dad to organize pickups and drop offs and not him. It's been so healing and really healthy for me. Right. Um, But he showed up unannounced. He went to come pick up you know, my middle child for a birthday party. I thought his nanny was coming to pick him up. It was him. Right. And not only that, he stepped into my house, which oh. he hasn't done in months. He put his foot in the door and, um, you know, I've been doing really, really well with the coaching. So I wanted to get our kids a new TV and I wanted to get myself some, you know, studio equipment and some office stuff. And I was really concerned and worried that he would be looking in and looking at the stuff. And he actually noticed the TV because he was in the front door and my kids were like, look, daddy, we got a new TV. And mm-hmm. I went into this fight and flight. Like I went into this, like even a, a bit of a fawn response where I was almost like trying to like justify buying a TV for the kids, like justify my own spending because I went back to the battered wife that was like afraid to buy stuff. Yeah. So even though the healing journey is like, you know, it, it, I'm so far ahead in my healing that something like that can set me right back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to, in the moment, take a small like, you know, just to be able to, to recognize it and be able to self-soothe in that moment, because I'm with my kids, I suppress it. I, what I did was I suppressed it, suppressed it, suppressed it and didn't accept it. And in the night when I was in full REM falling, like fully asleep, that is how I expressed it by ripping out my lashes. And my lashes are, they're extensions. So I pay for them. And there was a whole thing when I was married where he was like, you can't be doing that stuff. Like you have better things to spend your money on. So in a weird way, I think that maybe it was a, it was almost like a, like I wasn't allowed to buy lashes. (laughs) I should just take them off. So like, like I didn't rip my lashes out. I actually meticulously took out each, each extension with my nail and, and took them off. Like, like I didn't harm my lashes at all, but I took out the lash extensions. 
And I did that in my sleep. Like that is, it's crazy to think that, but just goes to show that two and a half years of healing can still take you right back to the trauma, right, right from the beginning. And that's totally normal. That's totally normal. And it's totally okay. As at the end of the day, just, you know, remember who you are. Totally. That's what my therapist said. And thank you for saying that. I do. I had to just check myself and go, wow, this is a story. I went into this mode of that. That wasn't my life, that this TV is not, I could, I don't, I can't spend that, that this, that, you know, the the computer and stuff like that, I can't be spending that, but no, that isn't, that's, that's incorrect. I have a new life now and healing for me, like this, this experience for me, where I'm at now is freedom. This is freedom. Now I, I I'm free to spend my money, how I spend it. I'm free now to set up my kid's life without his approval and without depending on him because knowing his past and his lifestyle who knows he could bugger off tomorrow I I don't I don't know but I'm setting up a life for for my kids and myself to take care of them and be independent and that is the freedom like that's how it's been for me to not have to rely and be codependent and just to be self-sufficient independent and step into that empowerment and be the person that has like has full expression. Like I'm fully self-expressed as you see, like in my TikToks yes. and going live and being able to sing and like just ha- making funny jokes and trying to make people laugh and smile while healing. That is my full self-expression. That's my authenticity. And that is something I never had in that whole relationship. Right. Ah, oh, the feeling of freedom must be nice. Oh, Right. It's so great here, guys, on the other end. I know. Like <laughs> when you get to this place of freedom, just spread those wings and enjoy it. Take it in. Right. Like that's what I'm doing. I just I look back and I just think, oh, I wish I could just go back to the old row, you know, 10 years ago and just be like, don't worry. Hope, right? Hold on. Pain ends. This is gonna end. You're gonna be free. Mm-hmm. And you are gonna love the sweet taste of freedom at the end of it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful mm-hmm. here. Like, I can't wait for you to get here. Right. Like, I wish I could tell her that and give her a hug and just let her know that it's going to be okay. Thank you for sharing that. Um, So for the other victims and survivors out there right now who may be listening to your episode, uh, what do you think is important for them to know? Yeah, just exactly that. That, you know, if you're in it right now, if you're still in the cycle of abuse, or you're not even able to identify it, you're confused and you don't have clarity in your life. Um, And maybe there's a a person in your life, a a toxic friend, a romantic partner, or someone in your family dynamic that, that is making you feel less of yourself, like not comfortable to be you, not your authentic self, that you that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it's okay not to see it now, but Like I'm here to tell you that it exists and there is that hope, the hope for you, not for you and that person, but the hope for you, the hope for your freedom, the hope that this pain you're in is going to end, hold on pain ends. That's what I want to tell them. I want to tell you that is it's important for you to know that this isn't forever. This is, this is a season in life that you will get past and it starts with awareness. And the fact that you're even listening to this right now 
is a sign that you're on there. You're on your way. There are people who wouldn't even hear this stuff or who never go on TikTok and who will never know, um, you know, Dr. Ramani on YouTube and, and, and won't listen to these things and they'll never know. And they might be stuck in their abusive situation till right. their last breath, right? The right. fact that you're here listening to this, if you're here listening to this, you are on that right path. So it's important for you to know that you're you're going to be there. You're going to be here on this end where I am, this freedom where 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 Jules and I are, where we're sipping on that sweet taste of freedom. You'll right. be there. <laughs> right. You're on that path. Right. That's what I would say. Thank you for sharing that, Ro. Um, mm-hmm. So just before we wrap it up, um, what is your social media and the links that you want to share with the listeners? Yeah. So you can find me on TikTok. I've got two accounts. So my fun account that I mentioned before, it's your.girl.row. So your girl row with dots in the middle. And that is my personal stuff, like my personal story of my ex. I talk directly about me and then also some fun stuff that brought me to TikTok. And then the roller coaster of love. So um, the handles roller coaster of love, that is all narcissistic abuse, education and recovery. I also offer one-on-one coaching. I'm a certified life coach and my business is Roller Coaster of Love, Inc. So you can find me on my website, rollercoasteroflove.ca. Everything is linked to some of my other um, platforms as well that that I also um, repurpose my content on. So YouTube is Your Girl Row and Instagram would be Roller Coaster of Love. Perfect. So anyone listening, go follow Ro. And I'll also mm-hmm. add that to the description as well. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Well, parts of your story with us today. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it can definitely help and even give hope to others who are currently stuck in this type of cycle of abuse. So I do, again, thank you so much for meeting with me today and making this possible. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Hey everyone, I just want to thank you for listening. Don't forget to support your girl at Hearts with Jewels. Subscribe to my YouTube, follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. If you want to chat, you can also schedule a one-on-one. Just click on the link in my bio. I'll see you next week.